welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Filatico. Welcome to the 20th episode of the IonHoops.com podcast. 20 episodes in and I still have no friggin' clue what I'm doing. Anyway, here's hoping all of you had a great start to your holidays. I don't know about all of you, but I've had more Zoom calls the past few days with family than I do in a typical work week. And now that the non-conference schedule appears to be over, Iona can focus completely on Mac play from here on, starting with this weekend series with Niagara at the Heinz Center. We're going to have Mike Myler on from the Niagara Gazette to help us preview that series. But before we review and preview, we got Iona Iota. Iona Iotas. Remember last week I talked about a three-week gap in between games for Iona? Well, that gap is no more as the Monmouth doubleheader has been rescheduled for January 29th and 30th at the Heinz Center. So we're back to our original bye weekend on January 22nd, 23rd, and that's it. Uh, it also re- uh, results in an oddity that Iona won't be leaving campus for a month straight as the Gales host St. Peter's January 15th and 16th, have the bye weekend on the uh, 22nd and 23rd, host Monmouth January 29th and 30th, and host Siena February 5th and 6th before traveling to Marist February 12th and 13th. If you read the Iona message boards for years, you know every now and then I'll post uh, uh, something up there called fun with numbers and provide some insights based on statistics. Well, this Iona Iota is courtesy of Ken Pomeroy. Uh, We'll take a look at some Gales ranked in the top 100 of various categories of Ken Palm this week and next week we'll look at some team numbers. First off, we're going to start, we'll start with Asante Gist. He's 58th in the country in fouls drawn per 40 minutes, 6.8 fouls. And I think a lot of that came in the two rider wins. Um, he's also 83rd in assist rate at 31.4%, which means he assists in about one out of every three field goals Iona makes when he's on the court. Isaiah Ross is ranked 36th in percentage of minutes played at 90.6%. This means he's played more than 90% of Iona's 320 minutes per, of gameplay this season. Nelly Jr. Joseph is 62nd in offensive rebounding percentage at 14%. This number basically means that for all the shots Iona missed this season, Nelly Jr. Joseph gets an offensive rebound on 14% of those misses. And we'll wrap it up with Barrick Jean-Louis ranking 80th in steal percentage at 4.2. What that means is this is the percentage of defensive possessions that a player records a steal while he's on the court. I have a feeling some of your heads are spinning with these data. Isn't Ken Palm fun? A quick COVID update. Uh, Quinnipiac had to go on pause again, which is what prompted the recent scheduling changes in the MAC, uh, some of which I already referred to with the Iona Monmouth switch. Um, the Bobcats still have not played a MAC game, and their series this weekend against Marist was moved. Uh, Quinnipiac should finally kick off MAC play January 8th, 9th at home against Iona. And what's up with our friends from Siena, you ask? Glad you did. Uh, they won't be hitting the court until Sunday, January 3rd, when they begin a two game set against Monmouth. Strange days indeed in the MAC. How about some tasty waves? No, not that kind. This isn't hashtag Mac after dark. It's time for the Mac Tide Report. Trending upward is Monmouth. The Hawks put up two blowout wins over Canisius uh, Sunday and Monday to join a logjam atop the Mac at 3-1. and one. Monmouth's looked as good as anyone, really, thus far, going toe-to-toe at St. Peter's in their two-game series split before sweeping the Griffs. Um, the Hawks probably the best offensive team in the MAC right now, have an aforementioned huge series coming up in Loudonville against the 0-0 Siena Saints. 
Trending downward is Canisius. The Griff started Mac play with a win over Maris, but then lost the rematch, got blown out twice by Monmouth in recent days, and now welcomes St. Peter's to Buffalo for the next series. If there's a hot seat in the Mac, Reggie Witherspoon's on it. Uh, several preseason prognostications had Canisius making some noise this year, and there's no questioning. They have some talented players, but if they don't play well this weekend, they're looking at a 1-5 Mac record and a pig appearance in Atlantic City in March. Earlier today, the Towson game was canceled due to a COVID case on the Towson side. Uh, so that's going to do it, we believe, for our non-conference schedule. So our final non-conference game review here, we'll be taking a look at the Coppin State game. Coppin State has the makings of a had the makings of a dangerous game with a funky, unorthodox defense and a couple solid offense weapons. This one was no gimme, despite the Eagles' one and six record. And indeed, Iona didn't play very well in the first half of this one. The Gales were content to just bomb away from three, really weren't going inside at all, and we weren't even making the threes we were taking. Iona wasn't defending all that well either, and the co and that combination led to just a five point game at the half, which the way things were going was a bit of a surprise. Uh, we were getting some Morgan State vibes for sure at halftime. Uh, the Gales were quite a bit better in the second half, though. They got Nelly Jr. Joseph involved. Uh, Asante Giss spent pretty much <laughs> the, the entire second stanza on the free throw line. And Iona pulled away for a 20-point win on a day where the team wasn't at its best. Uh, you know, Ross and Gist and, and Nelly led the Gales. But it's going to be noted here by me that Talik Chavez finally got some extended minutes in this one. And he performed well with five points and seven boards. Here's Iona coach Rick Pitino on Chavez's shift in minutes played this season. Nothing that he's doing wrong. When you play against Ryder, they have big guards. Talik is 165 pounds. He's weak physically. And um, obviously when Asante came back, that's the number one reason why Talik's minutes have been reduced because of Asante's return. But this was his style of game. If there's not a big physical two guard, he's able to play. Um, they do have a big physical guard, but he's a spot-up shooter, so Talik could guard him. Patino also offered injury updates on Osborne Chima and Colton Cashel. It's not going as, as well as we hoped. Uh, I thought he'd be back by now to be totally transparent. Uh, basically, what he has is he has a fracture. A piece of bone fell off in his groin, and it's it should be healed by now, but it's not. So we're getting these special injections that will help it heal. I would, I'm hoping that by January 15th, he starts practicing again, uh, probably the same time as Colton would start practicing and uh, be on the court by February 1. But, you know, you always got to look for a silver lining in every uh, cloud. And the silver lining is Nelly's development. If Osborne was here, Nelly probably would have played 12, 14 minutes. But because of that injury, He's gotten all these minutes. And uh, so you always look at, so we, now we know both of them can play and we got a two headed monster when they come back. Okay. It's time to preview Iona's upcoming weekend series against the Niagara purple Eagles. Perps are 3-3 three and three on the season, but last weekend they did something Iona couldn't do. They swept Fairfield. Niagara pounded the Stags in the Friday meeting and beat them by even more in the rematch. 
Um, you know, earlier in Mac play, Niagara was swept by, swept at St. Peter's. Uh, and people weren't really sure what was happening. They lost Handley in the first meeting, played well in the second one before losing by four. Uh, so people weren't really sure what to make of them at that point. But after pounding Fairfield, you got to look at them a little differently. Um, in non-conference play, the Purps got smacked by Syracuse to open the season. No big deal there. Uh, and before the holiday on the 22nd, Niagara traveled to Albany and got out of town with a five-point victory. So that's been their season so far. Uh, you know, much like last season, though, Niagara is an undersized team that lives and dies with the three. Unlike last year, though, the Perps are not shooting them quite as well. And even first-team preseason all-Mac sharpshooter Marcus Hammond is hitting only 34%, which isn't awful, but it is when you consider he made 43% of them last year. Hammond's averaging 13.7 points, 6.2 boards per, per game so far to pace the Perps. And uh, Kobe Nwandu adds 12.2 points per game. Niagara's been going nine deep all season, though, uh, but they still don't have a consistently effective big man, and they still struggle on the glass, getting outboarded by seven per game. Unlike last year's Niagara team, though, this version actually hasn't been that bad defensively, allowing opponents to shoot only 41% from the field. It's probably a lot of those offensive boards that are causing some trouble for them, though. Okay, let's welcome Mike Myler to the program. Uh, Mike is a sports editor from the Niagara uh, Gazette, and he's been covering the Purple Eagles for some time, and he's here now to help us preview this uh, doubleheader between Iona and Niagara this weekend. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Guy. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's great, great for you to be here and help us preview this. Uh, this is going to be a fun Mac season, but before we get to all that, I want to go back in time. I've been doing this with a lot of my guests um, because this is such a weird season, and it's actually – been weird in college basketball since March. So I want to take you back to, uh, you know, Mark, uh, Mac tournament. It was around March 10th or whatever, 11th. Uh, you know, some of us were in Atlantic city. Where were you, uh, I guess, during the Mac tournament where you, uh, and what, what was going through your mind as conferences were canceling? And then of course the Mac joined them along the way. I was in Buffalo still. Um, you know, this was the first Mac tournament in a couple of years that I didn't go to, um, for different for a variety of different reasons, and um, it was it was surreal to see play out in real time. I mean, my my greatest memory of um, just the whole sports world at that time is right, Rudy Gobert testing positive, and then just the domino effect hitting. The colleges held out a little longer than it, than you know I thought they would actually, um, and. But I remember Niagara had just won a game and was getting ready to play its second game in the tournament, and their hockey team was getting ready to play in their um, in the Atlantic Hockey Tournament. Uh, I think they were on the road heading to Army, and, and I remember that one kind of came through first. And they were on the bu- they got the information on the bus and like just turned the bus around, and, and kind of you know. And I'm trying to talk to Niagara people, and we're waiting to hear what the Mac's going to do. And it's just I, it was it was surreal. I'm sure that's the the answer you're going to get from everybody but but sports don't just get canceled in mass like that it was it was a very strange time so heading as the, as the offseason went on obviously niagara had to have pretty good taste in her mouths uh you know uh, paulus was kind of thrown into the job after some of the chaos that was going on there um but he did a tremendous job uh taking a, a team that was undersized uh, maybe not a lot of depth but you know they were right there on in the thick of getting a a, 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 a make a ranking a real run in this thing um, so there was some there's some optimism going into this year. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. I think you know the way things went for last year after you know a coach who who 
didn't have much success outside of one year and Chris Casey um, was let go and they bring in, you know, a guy in Patrick Beeline who any mid-major program would have been thrilled to have. Um, you know, there, you, there wasn't a bigger, I, I don't think there was a bigger young name in the nation in terms of, especially with that last name, <laughs> coming in and breathing life into a program and then all of a sudden he's gone. And it's, I mean, it was a shock. It was, I'm sure it was shocking to me. I can only imagine how shocking it was to fans. Um, but somebody, somebody put it to me this way was that the best thing Patrick Beeline did for Niagara was bringing Greg Paulus. And that's, that hasn't been wrong yet. I mean, Greg's been, they were, like you said, they were undersized last year. They, they didn't have a lot of depth due to injury and transfer, especially in the front court. Um, they were the worst rebounding team in the nation, and yet they still went, I believe it was 9-11 in the MAC. I mean, and Paulus was rightly rewarded with that national uh, first-year Coach of the Year award. Um, so now we get into this year, and uh, you get started with, uh, you know, uh, uh, the tough loss against Syracuse, and then you follow, you know, you, then there was the loss against St. Peter's, but then, uh, you know, a, a tight second game against a team that's probably right now playing better than anybody else in the, in the MAC. Um, and then you follow that up with, uh, you know, bucking a trend basically uh, in the MAC uh, by actually destroying a team twice in a row in Fairfield, something that Iona couldn't do. Um, and then you, know, you had the win against Albany. So it's been it's been a year that uh, you know the Purple Eagles seem to be getting a little better as they go, and you know certainly plenty of time to to, to, to gel even more. Uh, would you say that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know. Uh, because of their size and their depth issues up front last year, I think they were rightfully painted as a jump-shooting team uh, heading into this season, especially with what, what guys like Marcus Hammond and Justin Roberts can do. Um, but that but that changed when they got – that, that three-game winning streak also coincides with uh, the transfer, the blanket transfer rule, and they got Jordan Cintron, the transfer from Longwood, into the lineup and all of a sudden, they have four senior bigs who they trust, you know, playing kind of similar minutes uh, all, all game, all four of them. And they've got, you know, they're, they're nine deep with a couple of freshmen that I know Paulus would like to have see a few more minutes. They're just not really there right now. So uh, it, it changed, like I said, almost overnight with that, with that transfer and the emergence of uh, Kobe Nuandu, six foot six Lemoyne transfer. But all of a sudden, a team that was uh, a jump-shooting team and needed a very low uh, margin of error last year, this Niagara team. They won a lot of close games. Uh, I'm guessing they're, you know, if you, if, you di if you dive deep into basketball and they have, like, Pythagorean, Pythagorean wins and stuff like that based on uh, margin of victory, I'm guessing that wasn't very good. But um, this year, you know, now all of a sudden they have a lot of depth and a lot of size, and it's, it's very different. And now we got a point here. I think we have a couple of tiers forming in the market right now. I mean, I think most people would say St. Peter's playing is the best ball. Uh, Mommet's playing very well right now as well, and we'll see what they do uh, against uh, Canisius today. Um, but uh, they, you know, they seem to be playing really well, and Maris has done very well. But and of course, Siena is the sleeping giant, literally, in that they haven't played yet, and yet yeah. I think everybody still expects them to be, you know, at or around the top. And then you have a couple teams in Iona and Niagara who certainly have the potential to join that pack, but maybe, uh, you know, they still have some work to do to get there. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. And that's kind of, um, it's a good thing for the Mac. I mean, I think 
you know, every conference has up and down years. I think this is an up year for the Mac. I think St. Peter's, you know, uh, Shaheen's doing an excellent job there. I think Paulus is doing a great job here. Obviously, Rick Pitino doesn't need to be spoken for, but still, he's got Iona at three and one early in the conference and, and five and three overall. Um, I mean, I, I I think this, you know, when Niagara, uh, I think Niagara's, I've covered Niagara for six years, and I think their best team was probably four years ago now when they, uh, with Khalil Duke and uh, Matt Scott, when they, I think they had a good shot to win the tournament uh, before Scott got injured. But I think this Niagara team, you know, in terms of depth is certainly better. Um, and I think, you know, that Niagara team might have finished third or something in this conference. I think Sienna's very good. I think Iona's very good. I think St. Peter's is very good. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough sledding week in and week out. What would you say if you had to say there's a weakness uh, that really is that you don't see being fixed? For, I mean, every team's got one. Uh, for Niagara, what would you say that one issue that's going to hold them back this year is? They, uh, they still haven't, you know, they're not, they're not killing teams on the glass. I mean, I'd, you know, if they're average this year compared to what they were last year on the boards, it's a huge improvement. Um, and they haven't really shot, you know, super well yet. But I think, I also think last year shows that they can. So I'm not, I mean, I think, you know, I, they probably have a low or a high floor, you know, maybe not the highest. I don't think they have the highest ceiling in the conference. But they think they, they do have a team that has a pretty high floor because I think they, they can do a lot, of good, a lot of things well, and I think they're well coached. And just based on those first two uh, series that Niagara's played, uh, one thing that they've shown is an ability to play well in the second meeting, the tight loss against St. Peter's, even following up a route of Fairfield with another route of Fairfield. I mean, that's something that we haven't seen um, uh, is that one pattern where one team is just always better in that second game so far. Um, so this will be interesting to see. Now you have, a, uh, again, I own a team that's been erratic, to be fair. Um, and they've been very uneven. I mean, they, they traded blowouts with Fairfield, which is ridiculous considering how bad Fairfield's been otherwise. Uh, and then even the Ryder games last year, they won uh, last weekend, they, they won one big. Uh, and then the second one was kind of tight until they got to the line a bit to seal it. So the Iona's been very uneven. Um, you know, this feels like a one-in-one -one type of weekend, but I, I, I also said that last weekend before Riders. So I could just be a little, a little pessimistic or at least trying to, to uh, you know, calm down the fans uh, from Iona listening to this who think we should win every game by 15. So <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think either fan base should be disappointed in a one-in-one weekend. Because like, you, like you said earlier, I think these teams are very – if not similar stylistically, they're very similar in, in terms of where they're at in the season. I mean, it's still, it's still very early. Um, you know, both teams, you know, Ni or Iona obviously has a, has a new coach and working new guys into the system. Niagara, this is, you know, coming off Greg Paulus' first real offseason, so it's not necessarily, you know, it's a different look than last year. Um, so I don't think either team should be disappointed with a loss. Now, you know, if one team loses by 30 one night, that's a little different. Uh, but I don't see that happening. I think these teams, you know, they've gone down to the wire a few times in the last couple of years, and I kind of expect to see one of these games at least do the same. I, I would think so. They've played some very close games. The other thing is that we saw in the first two weeks of the MAC uh, so far, we saw that trend where it felt like everybody was going to split. And, and as everybody kept saying, oh, everything, every weekend is going to be a split. The whole, the whole MAC is going to go 10 and 10 this year. Uh, and then last weekend we had sweeps. <laughs> so yeah. now it's like, well, 
maybe the bad teams are just going to get swept and the better teams are going to split with each other all year. So this, I think this is, this will be one of those interesting weekends where, you know, if Iona or Niagara were to sweep this weekend, they would be really in a good position to, to challenge the leaders. I think when all is said and done, because, uh, you know, it's the good teams that, I mean, yeah, fair, sweet, and Iona didn't do it, but I would think that Siena and St. Peter's and, you know, Niagara already has sweeping bad teams like Fairfield, but, uh, you know, it'll be, now Iona's got to get one back and maybe sweep somebody they shouldn't to make up for that. And it'll be interesting to see if some of that stuff happens uh, this year. Uh, do, do you agree that the MAC, whoever wins the MAC regular season is probably not going better than, say, 13-7, maybe 14-6 and six tops? Yeah, probably. I hadn't really thought about, you know, putting a number on it, but it, it like I said uh, before, I think the MAC in general is a little bit up this year. Um, you know, I think Siena is as good a team as the conference has had in a few years. I mean, I know it's <laughs> I own a guy you could probably list the, the best teams in the, uh, the MAC has had a little better than I could in recent memory, but um, I think, you know, that middle tier is a lot better than it has been in the past, and I think as Fairfield showed against Iona, any, you know, any given night, any team can show up and, and hang one on somebody else. So um, I think teams will adjust to the scheduling. I think, uh, you know, there'll be instances like Niagara Fairfield last week where, where the good, you know, the better team just wins both. But I think, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to string wins together this year. Yeah. So looking at this doubleheader, um, one of the things about Iona this year that they've been inconsistent at is, is defending the three. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of energy uh, that results for Iona. Sometimes they just look flat, and sometimes they're playing with a lot of juice, and you can, you can tell right away which Iona team shows up. Uh, but the, the trend uh, has been, you know, if they're, they're giving up open threes, they're probably going to lose. So to me, that's uh, uh, that's a big key for both of these uh, games this weekend is, how, you know, does the anchor shoot 40% from three from the weekend or do they shoot 25%? You know, and um, do you have a key like that in your head, uh, maybe a number or, or a stat that Niagara has to have in their favor to, to at least have a split or maybe even sweep the weekend? I might stay right there with you. I think, you know, Niagara shot 37% from three last year. They're at 32% this year, despite not really losing any of their sharpshooters. Uh, Marcus Hammond has had, he had one very good game against Fairfield, got hot from the free throw line the second game, but um, he hasn't really, you know, taken off, had a, had a big game from deep. Um, you know, Nick McDonald's another guy who, Paulus said wouldn't be he wouldn't be surprised to see him shoot at a 40% clip. He's at 26% right now. So I think they've got a lot of, you know, Justin Roberts is at 42%, um, and that's kind of not unexpected. So I think there's a lot of room for Niagara to improve in its three-point shooting. And if you were a Niagara fan, that's probably your, your most optimistic to hear you say that Iona's going to – has had struggles uh, defending the three. If you're a Niagara fan, that's probably your biggest hope coming into the weekend. Um, how, how much have you seen of Iona this year? I have not seen Iona play yet this year. Okay. I, have, I really wanted to ask you about that Fairfield game. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you if there, was a, if there was one player that you would say, okay, this is guy's going to be a problem again for us. We have, we have nobody that can guard him. We have nobody that can keep him off the glass, that kind of thing. Uh, um, from a statistical perspective, maybe you've looked at some numbers for Iona. If you have a, if you have a guess of any kind based on all of that, uh, you have one? <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to say Isaiah Ross right now. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go I, if I'm interested in seeing somebody it's it's Van Eck. Uh, I know he's a guy Niagara recruited a little bit under Patrick Beeline, um, and they've had 
in the past few years, Niagara has had trouble with, with guys who have a little bit of skill and can rebound and also pass out of the post. And he seems like a kind of guy who can do all those sorts of things. So I think, um, you know, uh, Ross is, I mean, if you're averaging 20 points a game, you know, you're going to be number one on that list no matter what. But I'll be interested to see how Niagara, uh, how Niagara's new core of bigs match up with a guy like Van Eck. Will Niagara have somebody specific in your mind that will probably be assigned Ross? Um, I'm not positive. I think, I mean, their best guard is, I have to, how, how tall is Ross? <laughs> He's about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah, I mean, they have a very good perimeter defender in Shandon Brown, who I think is, you know, if he played more, he's a Georgetown transfer. He's tiny. He's five, you know, five nine, five ten. But I think if he played more, he'd be an all all or all Mac defensive team candidate. I think he's he's very very good on the on the outside. Um, if they want to put somebody bigger on him, the new the new Iona transfer, Kobe Nuandu, is a, is a fluid six six. Um, if they think that's something that can give. Ross problems, you know, getting looks. Uh, maybe that's something they'll try. But I, I think, I mean, it, as always, it's going to be a, uh, a group effort. And, I, you know, Iona's uh, best defensive player right now is, is uh, Beric Jean-Louis, who is uh, an athletic 6'6 type kid. Uh, he's, like, uh, for instance, Iona had him on Murray last week for Ryder and really suffocated in both games. And Murray was great uh, before that. <laughs> he was averaging 18, 19 a game, and I think he only scored about uh, – uh, 20 points on the whole weekend last weekend. Um, so I'm curious to see where who they put him on. I imagine it'll be Hammond, but you know, there's a case to be made on, on putting him on uh, one of the other players to just because uh, you know, Hammond's you know, he's Hammond's not gonna have the ball in his hands a lot. I have a feeling I think I know gonna try to keep it away from him, but you can't let somebody else go off either. So, yeah, uh, it's I mean, Niagara's a um, difficult guard in that. You know, the, Hammond is their nominal point guard, but he doesn't really – they don't have anyone who puts up big assist numbers. So there's not like a get-the-ball-out-of-his-hand type. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, being a three-point shooter, Hammond's just as comfortable just spotting up and running off screens as he is, you know, dribbling into shots and, and creating for himself. Um, the big the big difference for Niagara this year, I mentioned Cintron, and I, I've said Kobe Noandu a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know – their second leading scorer last year was a you know five eleven guard who didn't have much of a three pointer in, in James Towns and now it's a six six um, senior you know wings you know forward wing but but the the D two transfer Kobe Nuandu also has some ball skills and he's you know when presses late in the game he's the one dribbling up the court not Hammond or or Roberts or any of those guys so I think that's that's a matchup I would be curious to see because I think a guy with with that six six size might give Marcus Hammond some trouble, but I also think Niagara has a guy that you kinda gotta he's a Nuend is a guy you got a game plan for, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that matchup as a, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um I think we've kind of covered everything there. It should be a fun uh, again, it feels like one in one, but you just never know anymore, I think. Uh so it'll be interesting to see, especially coming out of the holiday too. But it's been great having you on. Uh and uh, we look forward to uh seeing your coverage. I know you've been kind of live tweeting some games along the way, so uh it'd be interesting to get your take on stuff and we'll be following your live tweets as well and uh looking forward to your coverage the rest of the year. All right, Guy, I appreciate you having me on once again. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get a couple of good basketball games this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks again. All right, you take it easy. I'd like to thank Mike Myler for joining us for this episode and bringing us some insights on the Purple Eagles. 
thankfully, at this point, we can all put 2020 behind us now, and I wish you all a happy new year. Shake off those sugar comas from the holidays, stay safe and healthy, and go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.